This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. So I'd like to just continue along that line, but as we stop and think about it, and we, you know, understand the importance of every man, every woman, every boy and girl who is in our sphere of influence, you know, they need their hope restored. And that's why I really want to focus today is having our hope restored. You know, um, I'd like to share a little story with you that uh, oh, I've shared it a few times over the many years I've been a pastor. But uh, I'd like to share it with you again. <clears throat> it's a pastor over in uh, New York City, pastors a church called Metro and has uh, about 20 some odd thousand kids in their church. You know, they go and pick them up and with buses. It's just an amazing thing that they have done. And we have gone there. A lot of our youth ministry have gone and spent time there learning how to more effectively minister to kids. But the first time I uh, had met Bill Wilson, I had learned about this. And a woman who couldn't speak English, was saved in one of our adult services, he tells. And after she came to me and said through an interpreter, I want to do something for God. And I think that's probably in each and every one of our hearts. I want to do something for God. I didn't really know what to tell her. I knew the language prayer would be a problem for the Puerto Rican woman because our workers must be able to communicate with everyone. So I told her just to love the kids. I explained, we've got lots of buses. Just ride a different bus every week and love the kids. I think they had 50 some odd buses. Just ride a different bus every week and love the kids. Well, she took my suggestion and she just did it. The woman didn't tell me that the week before she started riding the bus, she got someone to teach her how to say, I love you, and Jesus loves you in English. She knew any English before then, right before the buses, you know, started running. That's all she could say. I love you, and Jesus loves you. So she would ride a bus, sit in the front row, and find the worst looking kid in the bunch, and she would take that kid, put him or her on her knee, and whisper, I love you, and Jesus loves you. And all the way to Sunday school and back home again, that's all she could say. It was all that she could do. But like Aaron, when someone told her to go and do something, she did. In her own simple way, she loved on the kids, and the process continued week after week. Early in the fall, she told the bus ministry leaders that she didn't want to change buses anymore. She had found one particular bus that she wanted to continue riding. Actually, there was one little boy on that bus that the Puerto Rican woman wanted to attend to. She wanted to focus her time on this one kid. The little boy was about three years old. He was thin and always dirty. Even more significant 
was the fact that this kid never spoke a word. Somehow, one of our workers reached out to this kid and, and they had told him about Sunday school and how to catch the bus. And he came. Brothers and sisters or a neighborhood friend didn't join this little kid. He just rode the bus by himself every Sunday. He would sit on the stairs in front of his apartment building, waiting for the Metro Sunday school bus to pick him up. And each time he boarded, boarded the bus, the Puerto Rican lady was there waiting to greet him. She would take the little guy in her arms and put him on her lap. Then this woman would tell the boy again and again, I love you. And Jesus loves you. She would tell him all the way to Sunday school. And she would repeat the same process on the ride back home. Week after week, this same routine was repeated. That's all she could do. But she did it faithfully. The weeks turned into months. And the routine never changed. The Puerto Rican woman loved on one little kid. Letting him know, I love you. And Jesus loves you. About two weeks before Christmas, the routine did change. Like all the times before, the boy boarded the bus and received the love and the attention of one woman who wanted to do something for God. Together they went to our Sunday school. And after Sunday school, they boarded the bus for the ride home. And on the ride home, the woman took the young boy in her arms and put him on her lap. I love you, she told him. Jesus loves you. When the bus pulled to a stop in front of his apartment building, the boy didn't run off the bus as he normally did. This time, as he started to leave, he turned around for the first time in our presence. This kid tried to speak. He looked at the Puerto Rican woman who wanted to do something for God and said, I, 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 uh, I love you too. And with that, the little boy put his arms around the woman who cared for him and gave her a big hug. That was at 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon. That very same evening, around 6.30, the little boy's dead body was discovered under the fire escape of his apartment building. On the same afternoon that one of our workers experienced a breakthrough with the life of that little kid, his own mother murdered him. She beat her son to death put him in a garbage bag and threw him away. Nobody in this thing called Christianity is qualified, but we all have a part to play, don't we? I am not the smartest guy and I don't pretend to be. I am not a hotshot author or a minister expert either, ministry expert either, but I can drive a bus. And that's what the pastor often did. And because others have come to join with me, I believe we are making a difference. And I believe today that there is one little boy in heaven 
because of a woman who couldn't speak English, but who had a burning desire to do something for God. And hopefully all of us have a burning desire to do something for God. I believe that one woman who took the time to hold a dirty little kid in her arms and tell him that she loved him and Jesus loved him made an eternal difference in that boy's life. No one who can convince me otherwise. A pastor asked me, do you think one person can make a difference? Yeah, I do think one person can make a difference. What do you think? When it's all said and done, it's important for you and I to remember that out there somewhere today, right now, there's another kid who isn't making it. There's another kid sitting on a curb somewhere today, and all it takes is one person to make a difference in that kid's life. Do you think she made a difference? I think she did. I think she did. And God will take a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl, and he'll allow you to make a difference of restoring hope. I'll tell you, as heartbreaking as that story is, and it really happened, as heartbreaking as that story is, it's inspired me. It's inspired me to make a difference for every child who God brings across our path, regardless of how age, what their age is. And I believe it's inspired so many other people who've read about it and heard about it. It's just a Puerto Rican woman who just learned to say, I love you, and then to say, Jesus loves you. Six words. And she made an eternal difference in the life of a boy and thousands of pastors who've read and heard about it and thousands of Christians. You know, Satan is often trying to steal our hope. And what Bill Wilson's ministry did, it gave kids hope. And the enemy of our soul was trying to steal our hope and to leave us hopeless. And you understand what the word hope means. The biblical definition of hope is a confident expectation for future success. That's what the biblical definition of hope is. A confident expectation of future success. And the enemy of our soul wants to steal it from us. It really does. Listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. It says, therefore, we who have fled to him, almighty God, for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. We can have great confidence as as we grab a hold and take hold of the hope that lies before us. And this hope is a strong, the hope, this confident expectation is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I'd like to kind of try to demonstrate that for you here a second.
always wondered how come the platform gets so torn up up here. What does an anchor do? Hold you steady. Currents may be trying to drag you downstream. The currents are fighting against you. You throw out your anchor and it holds you steady. I've actually used this anchor many a time myself personally, and that's what it did. It holds you steady. Now, let me see what the scripture says here again. It says... This hope, verse Hebrews 6, 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain, through the veil, into God's inner sanctuary. Hope is like an anchor, and it leads us into the very presence of God. If, if you don't have any hope, you don't know the presence of God. But if you got hope, you know the presence of God and it holds you steady. And in a time like we're living right now, where there's a lot of people who have been hopeless. I'm going to tell you, a confident expectation that God's going to do everything he says he's going to do. And that the best is yet to come. That's the truth of it. He holds us steady. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The enemy of our soul wants to cut the rope. So we have no hope. There's nothing holding us steady anymore. We just drift with the current. We're just pushed around. Flipped over maybe. All kinds of things because our hope now is gone. Listen to what it says here. I'm going to read it again. Hebrews 6.18 Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, we, we've run to God for refuge. Even in such a time as this, a pandemic, we've run to God for refuge. We can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. And it leads us through the curtain, through the veil, into God's inner sanctuary, into his very presence. And I'm going to tell you what, the devil's going to do his best to cut the rope to hope. To cut your hope free of you. So it can no longer steady you and make a difference for you. But you and I, even as a little old lady, a Hispanic lady who could only speak six words in English, you and I have the ability as Christ did. He dove into the deep waters. Boy, I thought that was a square knot. 
He dove, dove into the deep waters from heaven to earth. He dove down here and he restored our hope. It will hold us again. And when you and I nudge someone a little bit closer to Jesus and we tell them what he has done for us and that he still answers prayer and, and he still forgives us and he's crazy in love with us, we restore hope and we're no longer blown away by circumstances. We're no longer drifting off course. We are no longer hopeless, but we have hope that is so secure for our soul. And we need such hope in times like this that we live right now. He says here, this hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor. Hope is. We, we can't make it without hope. When we become hopeless, we just can't make it. But this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. And if Satan steals our hope, he cuts the rope to our anchor and we go off course. We need such hope, you know. There was a movie quite a few years ago now. Um, it's about a warrior. Hmm. Tell me what the name of that movie was. He had a sword. He had long hair. The guy's, the movie star's name was Mel Gibson. Braveheart, that was what it was. And he was playing the part of a guy, William Wallace. And England had come in as absolute tyrants. The, the British, Great Britain, brought soldiers, destroying them, intimidating them, harassing them. And, and they were afraid to fight against the British soldiers. And William Wallace came in as they stood on one side of the battlefield and they were getting ready to run for freedom and run home. Well, it wasn't really being freedom because they were pretty much enslaved. And William Wallace, he told them, he says, they may be able to take your lives, but they can never take away your freedom. And he encouraged them and he inspired them with hope. And they fought and many of them did give their lives. But Scotland was free from that moment on. And they had freedom from the tyrants that tried to control and manipulate them. And I am telling you, he gave them hope. But I am telling you, Jesus gives us a grander hope than that. He gives us a hope a confident expectation of his love and that his promises are everything that he has promised them to be. There was a, a, a fellow who said, never ever give up. His name was Jimmy, Vol, Jimmy Volvano. He was a uh, ball player. He was a broadcaster. He was a coach in many schools. Most known would have been in North Carolina. And uh, he had cancer. And he said, cancer can take all of my physical abilities away, but it cannot touch my mind, and it cannot touch my heart, and it cannot touch my soul. Because he had hope in Christ that he would live again, 
in the presence of the almighty God. It says here in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 6. It says in those days. Wait, I'm sorry. It's the wrong verse there. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 14. It says, and what we believe is that the one who raised up the master Jesus will just as certainly raise us up with you alive. Every detail. Could you say those two words with me? Every detail. Let's say it one more time. Every detail. And what percentage is every? 100%. Every detail works to your advantage. That's almost like Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And it says here in verse 14, and what we believe is that the one who raised up the master Jesus will just as certainly raise us up with you alive. Every detail works to your advantage. Everything that's going on around about us right now, it works toward your advantage and to God's glory, more and more grace and more and more people and more and more praise. Verse 16 says, so we're not giving up. Can we read those few words together? Verse 16. So we're not giving up. How could we? Is what he says there. We're not giving up. How could we? We're not giving up on a marriage. We're not giving up on being parents. We're not giving up on anything. We're putting our trust in the almighty God. How could we? Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 says. It says, God who got you started in this spiritual adventure. Would you consider this has been a spiritual adventure for us? From the day we first met each other. It has been a spiritual adventure. How many of you perceive what God's doing right now is a spiritual adventure in your life? And you're learning to trust him in new ways all the time. He says here, God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son. And our master Jesus, he will never give up on you. Never forget that. I am telling you, God will never give up on you. God will never. Well, you don't know what. He will never. I'm telling you, no matter what you've done, God's on the move. He is chasing you down because he wants to offer you forgiveness. So you mean when God's after me, he's trying to forgive me for what I did? That's exactly what I'm talking about. He tells us in the 23rd Psalm, He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And God is on the move and he's chasing you down because what you sow, you will reap. If you sow bad, you're going to reap it. And God is on the move to catch you and offering you forgiveness. Receive the forgiveness and then you get crop failure. You don't have to receive all the bad seed that has matured matured and you don't have to receive the bad that you've sown. You can be forgiven. And he says right here, he will never give up on you. First Corinthians 1, 9. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. God will never forget, give up on you. Never, 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 never. Going back to 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, 
So we're not giving up. We're not giving up. God's not giving up on us and we're not giving up. How could we, even though on the outside, it often looks like, are things really what they look like sometimes? Not at all. Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. It looks that way. It seems that way on the inside where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. And can't you imagine a flower? It's just unfolding. And you understand what the word grace means. Most biblical definition I can find about grace is God's enabling power. Not one day passes us by without God unfolding his enabling power, enable us to make it through the pandemic, to enable us to love our wives, love our husbands, love our kids, to obey God and whatever he's called us to do. Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, but on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace is enabling power to help us. Verse 17 says, these hard times are small potatoes. Now, I was going to bring another bag of small potatoes, but I forgot to get them. Now, I'm actually growing potatoes in my garden, and what I'm believing is they ain't small. I ain't harvesting for another few weeks, but I'm believing they're big potatoes. That's why I couldn't use them. But he says here, these hard times, like this coronavirus, this pandemic, and all the craziness that goes along with it, these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. I am telling you that the best is yet to come. You have heard me say that a few times since I've been in ministry. And I still believe the best is yet to come. We don't determine our life and our future based on circumstances. Never have. We base our life based upon what God says in his word. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. That lavish celebration that's being prepared for us. Verse 18 says... There's far more here than meets the eye. That means uh, if it don't meet the eye, means you can't see it yet. There's far more here. It takes faith. You can't see it with your natural eye yet. It's far more here than meets the eye than we can see with our natural eye. It's something you can only see and grasp hold of by having faith in the Almighty God. Verse 18, there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, but they are temporary. They are here today. And what's the next two words say? <laughs> gone tomorrow. Have you ever had difficulties? That, lo and behold, they're, they're gone now. Have you ever had a, a difficulty disappear? The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things that we can't see with our natural eye It takes faith to see those things will last forever. And that's the promises of Almighty God and the principles of his kingdom. The power of his unchanging word. And I'm telling you, God's on the move. Trying to forgive you and me. Trying to empower you and me so we can dive in and we can tie some knots. And give people some hope. 
People who have been hopeless. We can tell them what God has done for us and what God says in his word and give them hope and a confident expectation that God will do the same thing. He'll love them and forgive them and help them as he's helped you or as he's helped those who are in the Bible. Luke chapter 18. No, Luke chapter 18. Let's see, where am I at here? Where was I at? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. You know, you ever heard of Winston Churchill? Winston Churchill, he made a statement. He said, never, never, never give up. Never, never, never give up. That's a direct quote from him. Never, never, never give up because we believe the best is yet to come. We believe that everything that God has said is absolutely true. First, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. I just got to read it again. It says, so we're not giving up. How could we, even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us on the inside where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding Grace, his enabling power. Every day comes our way. It's another wave that washes the shore. And that's one of the definitions of grace. Another wave comes in, like the ocean, and it never ceases. Luke chapter 18. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and, what's it say? I couldn't hear you. One more time. Always pray and never. What percentage does that mean that we should give up? 100%. Well, we are going to 100% believe in Almighty God and trust Him 100% of the time, and we ain't never going to give up. We're not going to never give up. If we go to His Word, we find that is absolutely the truth. Harriet Beecher Stowe, she said, Never give up, for that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. Don't ever give up. When you're tempted to give up, things is just getting ready to change. And the best is yet to come. You remember David? You know, David went out there to take his brothers some supplies that his dad told him to take. They were on a battlefield facing the Philistines. And their number one uh, warrior out there was named Goliath. And David said, hey, did y'all hear? I heard that giant saying all kinds of bad things about our Who's going to go take him out? Hey, guys, they were all, the whole warrior clan was hiding behind the rocks. And they, hey, did y'all hear me? He's blaspheming God. Come on, guys. Who's going to go and take him out? And then David says, I'm going to go and take him out. And I'm going to tell you what happened when David went out there with his sling and he had some stones in his pocket, his little pouch there. When he released that sling, he had already said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. That's the best that man can make of a a war tool. But I'm coming to you in the name of almighty God, whose name you've been blaspheming. And then he put a stone in his little pouch there and he swirled it around. He let her go. Giant dropped dead. And what did it do? It gave hope to the entire army. And they pursued the Philistines. Because David gave hope. And you and I can give hope. And it might just be throwing a rock or it might just be saying, I love you and Jesus loves you. But when we can do what we can do, God will allow us 
to restore hope, to get reconnected to our hope that the enemy of our soul does his best to destroy. Psalms 62 verse 5, it says, God, the, the one and only, I'll wait as long as he says. Let me read that again. God, the one and only, I'll wait as long as he says. We don't like waiting, do we? We don't like our word patience, do we? Psalm 62 verse 5 says, God, the one and only, I'll wait as long as he says. And never give up. I'm going to wait as long as he says. And he goes on to say, everything I hope for comes from him. What percentage is everything? Everything I hope for comes from him. Everything I hope for comes from him. So why not wait? Get God's timing on it. Let's do it God's way. Let's learn out what God's way is. And then let's wait on him and do things God's way. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35. It says, so do not throw away. This confident trust. This is talking about having a hope, a confident expectation for the future. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will and then you will receive all. What percentage is all? And then you will receive all that he has promised. And you find his promises right here in his word. And we're just being patient is what he's saying. And having faith and expecting God to do everything that he's promised that he's going to do. And then you will receive all that he has promised. Psalm 62 verse 6 it says, he's solid rock under my feet. Almighty God is solid rock under my feet. When a lot of people are walking around on sinking sand, quicksand, their lives are built on quicksand. But he, he's solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul, an impregnable castle. I am set for life. My help and glory are in God. Granite strength, a safe harbor God. So trust him. What's that next word? So trust him absolutely. People lay your lives on the line for him. God is a safe place to be. And I'm going to tell you, even during these times, even during a pandemic, living in the very presence of God, being connected to your anchor or your hope, that's a safe place to be. 
Living your relationship with the Almighty God. Putting your trust in Him. His word has not changed because there's a pandemic or because there's all kinds of rumors of war or because the economy is threatening us in a negative way. All the terrible negative things, tsunamis and, and tidal waves and what was that word, the, the storm, what did they call that storm? A typhoon that was supposed to hit last night or, or this morning in uh, Okinawa and it hit Japan and then hit in parts of Korea. I'm going to tell you something. God knew about every one of those things before he gave us his word. And his word holds true. His word is an anchor. Hope in him, a confident expectation of what God says will hold us steady. No matter what's going on around about us. No matter what. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And God has a plan for every one of you in this building today. And every one of you watching uh, online, uh, if you're in your homes or in your car, well, hopefully you shouldn't be watching the service if you're driving your car, okay? But God has a plan for each and every one of you. And he says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And they are plans for what? They're plans for good and not for disaster. The devil is whispering in your ear, trying to cut you loose of your hope. He's trying to get you to think that God's got a plan for disaster in your life. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. It says here, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days, kind of like the days we're in right now, in those days when you pray, I will listen, says the Almighty God. And if you look for me half-heartedly, what percentage is wholeheartedly? Have you really genuinely sold out 100% to God? Or are you holding it back just a little bit for yourself? Yeah, I'm just going to do things my way. Nobody will ever know. He says here, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. I'm talking about laying hold of that anchor of our soul. And, and you and I getting hold of the idea that we can restore hope to the men and the women and the boys and girls who live in our sphere of influence. We can restore them. As simple as I restored that rope right there by giving them hope and sharing with them God's word and what he's done for you to give hope to the hopeless. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1, it says... Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing. If you spend a wee bit of time with God, because he's got a plan for you. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing. We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job. Oh, well, when we signed up to live for God, we didn't know about no virus that was going to hit. Oh, we didn't know about no wars or, or things that's going to be hard here and there and another. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, and he has. 
and we'll listen and we'll read his text. We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times because we have hope. We're not going to drift off course because we have an anchor of our soul. And it's our hope. That's what the Bible tells us. Hope is an anchor for your soul, both sure and steadfast. You know, Job had lost everything he had. He lost his family, he lost his sheep and his goats and his oxen and his money. He lost all of his crops, all of his fields. He lost everything, you know. But I want to tell you something. Job had his hope restored, and it changed the outcome of his life. Let me just read you. Oh, this is very discouraging. But let me just read you Job's mentality in the very beginning. Job chapter 3, verse 1 says, At last Job spoke, and he cursed the day that, of his birth. He said, Let the day of my birth be erased, and the night that I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness and let it be lost even to God on high and let no light shine on it. It seems that Job had lost all hope. But you got to understand as he kept going through that, he got his eyes off the circumstances and got his eyes on the almighty God. And in Job chapter 42, verse 10, it says, when Job prayed for his friends, and they were very discouraging friends. You have any friends who are very discouraging? Don't raise your hand. They might be here. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. When he began to pray for other people who didn't really quite have it right, he began to pray for them, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Verse 12 says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. You mean to tell me as we get on in our age, you mean God can still use us old people? I can't hardly hear that. I had to turn up my hearing aid a little bit. Absolutely. In the latter part of your life, God can use you twice as much as he used you in the earlier days. So don't let the devil cut your hope, cut the rope of your hope and make you think it's over with with you. It ain't over. Because God can do so much with so little, provide we yield all there is of the little to him. Psalms chapter 71, verse 5, it says, you keep me going when times are tough. You ever been there in some tough times? Well, if you hadn't, they're, they're on their way, all right? So you won't be left out. You keep me going when times are tough. And the New Living Translation says, you alone are my hope, my bedrock, God, since my childhood, you keep me going when times are tough. Nehemiah, you remember Nehemiah was commissioned by God and then the king agreed with and helped him out to rebuild the walls. To rebuild God's walls. And it says here in, in the city of God, in, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, it says, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. The walls are all torn down. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And let us rebuild. Let us restore 
Let us restore the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king who said I can get all the provisions I need from his supply and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then replied, they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild, let's restore the walls. So they began the good work. Their hope had been restored. And they began to build those walls in absolute record time. And they had tremendous opposition coming against them. And the Bible says, you read through the book of uh, Nehemiah and you'll find they had a trial. They had a trial and they was out there. They was mortaring all these stones back together. They were putting them together and they had a trial in one hand. Does anybody know what it says? And they had a sword in the other hand. I'm building the walls and if I need to stop for a while to fight opposition and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, enables us to stand against opposition. I am telling you, do the work of almighty God. Continue to to restore the walls and, and rebuild the gates that God said to rebuild. That was for Nehemiah. He says here, They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the walls. So they began the good work. And if you continue to read there, you'll see this guy by the name of Sanballat. He hated what they were doing. And he said to Nehemiah and his crew, he said, listen, y'all, y'all come on down here to the valley of, oh, no. Now, it don't take a prophet to figure out that you don't go into a valley that's called, oh, no. And Sanballat said, y'all come on down. We're going to meet in the valley of, oh no. And we'll discuss this whole thing about building this wall if you really should or if you shouldn't. And Nehemiah, he says, nope, we can't stop. We're doing a good thing. And they had a trial in one hand and a sword in the other. And they said, we're not coming down to the valley of, oh no. They said, Sanballat, oh no, we don't. And I'm going to tell you, when the devil tempts you to stop serving Almighty God, we need to say, hey, Mr. Devil, now drop the mister off of that. Hey, devil, oh no, I'm not, well, I'm doing a good thing, and I'm going to continue to do that good thing. It might only be saying six words in English. It might not be very much, and it might not seem like it's much, but it's making an eternal difference in this world in which I live. Read the book of Nehemiah, short little old book, and it will be a great inspiration to you. I can't stop. I can't come down. I'm doing a good work, and I'm going to continue to do it. Psalms chapter 119 says, How I delight in your commands, not in human ideas and logic and just human education, but how I delight. Oh, 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 how I delight, he says right here, in your commands, how I love them. Do you love God's word? Now, I mean, do you love it enough to read it every day? Or at least get you a smartphone because you can open it up in you version and you can hit play and it will play any part of the Bible. Any chapter, any book. And I do that quite often myself because it's best not to read while you're driving. But you can listen to it. 
And faith comes through your eyes or through your ears, hearing God's word. That's what I'm talking about. And he says here in Psalms 119, says, How I delight in your commands. How I love them. I honor and I love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. Remember your promises to me. It's my only, what's that say? It's my only hope. Your promises, your decrees, your commands is my only hope. Your promises revive me. That's the same as the word restore. Your promises restore me. It can restore anything. For the last two weeks, we've seen tremendous testimonies where God even restored marriages that seemed unrestorable, but he did. And he can restore anything. He is supernatural. I am telling you, God's on the move, and he's looking just to bring you forgiveness and to give you his graces, which is his enabling power to do what he's called you to do. If you ever heard the devil whispering in your ear, in your ear you're done for. Your usefulness, God can never use you anymore. And the truth of it is, you can probably be twice as successful now as you get a little bit older than you were in your youth. From when I look into the Bible, I'm counting on that because I'm 65 years old. God can use us a whole lot more in our older age and we probably have a little bit more time and energy to get her done, you know. That's what I'm thinking. Psalm 78 verse 1 says, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying for I will speak to you in a parable and I will teach you hidden lessons from our past Stories are his stories. His stories. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. They're right here. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We'll give them hope. When the devil tries to cut their hope away. It's the anchor of their soul. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his law to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. Don't matter whose children it is, you talk to them about the things of God. Like that little old woman did on that fuss. Just saying six English words, that's all it took. That has inspired, brought salvation to a child and has inspired thousands of pastors and Christians to get, get it done, what God's called you to do. How many of you here have ever read a suspenseful novel of any kind? Have you ever been a little bit, oh man, I don't know if I'll read the rest of this thing or not. Have you ever slipped to the back of the book and read the last chapter? You go back there and you go, oh, it has a happy ending. Okay, I'm going to read the rest of the book now. Is that okay to do? Yes, it is. 
And you can do that in the Bible when you're going, oh no, oh no. You can get way ahead and find out, oh, there's a happy ending. Jesus rose from the dead and he's offered me forgiveness and I shall rise too. And we will be in heaven to live with him forever. It is okay to sneak into the, the, the latter chapters and find out there is a happy ending. I'm telling you, it's okay. That's the promises of the almighty God. If you want to read it backwards, that's okay with me. You know, I don't think God minds either. You know, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, but the New Testament, way over here, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Oh, now it makes sense. I understand it now. Okay, now where was I at? Well, let's pick up here on uh, verse 7. It says so, and that's in Psalm 78, verse Seven. It says, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles, his history, and obeying his commands. And that obeying his commands that restores hope to us and enables us to restore hope to others. Psalms 94 verse 17 says, unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. Hopelessness is talking about. Unless the Lord had helped me, I would have soon settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out. I am slipping. Ever felt like you might have been in that place? I'm slipping. My faith is being challenged. There's doubt and anxiety trying to overtake me. I feel myself drifting away. Feel like the hope has been cut away. Says, I cried out, I am slipping, but your unfailing love, O oh Lord, supported me. Because God's love, he gives us hope. And he gave his life, Jesus gave his life to enable us to stop slipping, to enable us to stop drifting. The Bible says that Jesus is our living hope. Our living, we have a, a confident expectation is what he's talking about here, you know. Anyhow, verse 19 says, when doubt filled my mind, you ever been there? Doubt filling your mind? Just what in the world's going on right now around about us? When is this virus going to be done? Well, all the other ifs and maybes that come at us. When doubt filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed or restored hope. I, I do believe that the best is yet to come. That's what hope is. That the best is yet to come. Having a confident expectation for the future. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Psalms 119 Verse 114 says, you are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my what? Your word is my source of hope. Uh, not another channel on the TV. Not another thing to look up on YouTube. But God's word is our source of hope. We have a confident expectation for the future, for yourself, for your spouse, for your children, for your community. I'm telling you, hope comes from God's word and it enables us to restore that line that the devil tries to cut so we will lose, turn loose of, be free of hope. But I have a confident expectation because God says his word gives us hope. 
So let's get in there and get all the hope that Almighty God wants to give us. One more time, Psalms 119, verse 114. You are my refuge and my shield, and your word is my source of hope. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans. Just the best at human ideas and human plans and human strategies and human thoughts. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere, which means only in humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Well, we don't need God no more. We don't need God in our life. We don't need God in our land. We don't need God on our money. We don't need God in our schools. He says here, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like, what's that say? Stunted shrubs. You know, they're they're underdeveloped. And I got a real sale on some shrubbery if you'd like to buy it from me today at the end of the service. You know, this is pretty good stuff here. I think you would consider that stunted. And listen to what he has to say here. If I can find where I was at again. They are like those who put their trust in mere humans and human strength and they forget about and turn away from God, they who turn away from God are like stunted shrubs in a desert with, what's that say? No hope for the future. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence, their confident expectation. He says, are you going to be like a stunted shrub? Pretty much lifeless, just trying to he got some kind of a living in a desert place. He says, but blessed are those in verse seven, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Verse eight says they are like trees, not stunted shrubs. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are like the men and women who have their trust in the Lord God almighty. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought or coronavirus. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So does this represent you a stunted shrub that's growing in the desert or does it better represent you a strong, healthy tree whose leaves never, never do this, whose leaves never wither and there's always fruit. 12 months out of the year, they're fruitful, they're fruitful, they're fruitful. Which represents you? This right here represents those who don't trust in God no more. They just do it man, humanity's way. But those others who put their trust in the almighty God, who they have a confident expectation for the future, they have been given hope. They become that awesome, fantastic, tall living tree whose roots go down to the water, soak up the water. Their leaves are green and they're producing fruit and they never stop producing fruit. That's what he's saying here. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, 
will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope, confident hope, confident expectation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 and we're just about done. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Did you ever consider yourself an outsider or have you always known Jesus in a very close way? I once upon a time was an outsider. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathen by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and it didn't affect their heart. It was external religious tradition. In verse 12, it says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You're ignorant of those. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And when you are without God, you are without hope. He says, you were living in this world, you lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we have a living hope, a confident expectation of the future. Verse 13, and we'll end it. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. That's what I'm talking about. The blood of Jesus Christ washes our sins away. And when you feel like God's looking over your shoulder, God's on the move, he's chasing you down, not because he's mad at you. He's just trying to offer you forgiveness. He's trying to write your name in the book of life because he loves you. And then he wants you to start doing the same thing. You're not after people to criticize him and judge him and speak evil and speak negative and speak harshly to them. We're to give them hope. We're to let them know how much God loves them and cares about them and pray for them all the time. I'm going to tell you, prayer makes a difference. And if you're ever going to pray, we better get it done now because it might not be long before we're seeing Jesus face to face. If you want to serve God, let's get her done right now because we may not have a whole lot more time left. Who knows? Well, God knows, but I know we can trust him 100%. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have been forgiven and our names have been written in the book of life. And I'm going to tell you, by the authority of Almighty God, he is not mad at any of you. He's not mad. If he's chasing you down, it's just so he can give you forgiveness. He can forgive you and he can empower you with his grace, his enabling power, so we can just live our lives in a way that's fulfilling and satisfying. You know what? I think we better stop right here. But I want to challenge you. Don't be a stunted shrub. Be a life-giving tree full of fruit. And I want to ask you right now, if you would just renew, uh, you know, reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever time we have left on this planet, let's give our lives over to God. Say, God, be on the move in me and through me. And let my life make a difference. If all you can say is I love you and Jesus loves you. Or if all you can do is just throw one stone. She's like, Lord, just take who I am and what I am and use it for your honor and for your glory. Reaffirm your faith to the Lord Jesus Christ here today with me. And maybe there's some here today and maybe there's some watching us wherever you might be. And now is the day, today is the day to declare your faith in him. And he'll give you hope. 
a confident expectation for the future, and you'll know the best is yet to come. And you'll involve yourself in doing what you was created to do. Let's bow our heads if we could, and I'll ask you just to reaffirm your faith with me right now as we pray. Would you join me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place. And I believe he rose from the dead three days later. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior and as my soon-coming King. I'm sorry for my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I receive hope. Teach me, almighty God, how to restore hope to those who are in my sphere of influence. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you come up here with me, Susan, just a moment? We're just going to pray for you all, and then you'll be dismissed. And uh, we've been, you have to watch out for my rope there. And then, uh, you know, right now, and we're just trying to abide by all the rules that we said that we would do. We would open up our building when we knew we have done everything in our power to be as safe as possible. And that's what we're trying to do. And one day we're going to make up for all those hugless greetings. Hey, guys, you know. And we're going to hug you and hang on for like 10 minutes, you know, or something like that. One of these days. Where'd you go? Oh, why don't you come over here? What's that? We're supposed to be back here. Oh! Stay behind the pulpit. That's why I got this bulletproof glass up here. Thank you, dear. Oh, boy, I can't believe you made me do that in front of everybody. I want to pray for you, but I want you to have a part of faith in here. And if you need prayer for yourself, no matter what it's for, God knows, but we're going to pray for you. Just a brief prayer. But if you've got a friend or a family member or a loved one or a neighbor, even an enemy, that you really want God to move in their heart and answer a prayer, I want you to stand in the gap for them. So just stand up if that's you, and we're just going to say a real quick prayer for you right now, but a powerful prayer. I want you to start there. Father, we thank you that we can come boldly to your throne of grace. Yes, we we can. And we can obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Yes, Lord. And Father, each of these precious people that are standing right now, either here in our sanctuary or in their homes. Yes, Papa. They're standing, Father, because they're in a time of need, whether it's for a loved one or a friend or even for themselves. Yes, Papa. And Father, we stand in agreement with them. Lord, that you would restore health to their bodies, those that need healing, oh God. Yes, Father. That you would restore health. And we thank you by Jesus' stripes. They were healed. Yes, Lord, we just ask that healing would spring forth in their bodies. Yes, Papa. Father, we ask that you would restore marriages, Father, yes, that, that seem like they're falling apart. Lord, even those that are on the verge of divorce, like we heard with Amy and Kevin. Yes, Lord. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would restore marriages, oh God, yes, that Father. you would restore hope in their hearts. That yes, you, Lord. You, you are a miracle-working God, and yes, there's nothing are. too far gone that you can't restore. Father, we ask that you would restore other relationships, Father. Yes. We ask that you would restore hope, Father, to parents who are sending their kids to school right now. Yes, or Father. possibly keeping their kids at home for school. Oh, or we yes, ask Papa that you God. would restore hope in their hearts, Father. Yes. We ask that you would restore hope in our nation. Father, so many people have, have uh, lost hope concerning our nation. But, Father, we believe, Lord, that you can restore hope yes, to our nation. Yes, you can. 
Father, we ask that you would stir in the hearts of those, Lord, everyone, Lord, especially every believer, Lord, that they would get out and vote, Lord, yes, in Lord. this coming election. Father, that they would yes, stand Father. for what is right and what yes. is true. And, Father, they would vote according to the things that you put on their hearts yes, to Lord. vote, Father. Father, we ask that you would restore our nation, yes. Father, that you would restore law and order. Yes, Father, Father that you would restore health to our yes. nation. Father, we just commit our nation to you, Lord. And yes, Lord, we Papa ask God. that you would restore those that are lonely or those that yes. are depressed. Father, those that are struggling in any area of their lives. Yes. Father, we ask that you would restore those that have lost their jobs or are struggling financially because yes. of this virus. Father, we ask that you would restore to them, Lord, all yes, that Father. is to be restored yes. in Jesus' name. And Papa, wherever the hope rope has been cut, the anchor rope has been cut and people have become hopeless. We ask for a miracle of restoration of hope to them today. Yes. Lord, as, as we have received some restoration of hope and a confident expectation, yes. and we'll nudge our loved ones and our friends and our neighbors as best as we can how to have hope. Lord, we'll hit those share buttons where people will watch these services and hear your word and hope will rise up on the inside. Oh, mighty God, we believe the best is yet to come. Yes, so bless my brothers and sisters. You said in your word, if two of us would agree on this earth concerning anything we ask it be done. And I know that Susan and I stand together in agreement right here. And that's enough. But I believe that there's a lot of men and women here who are in agreement that the prayers we're asking for you to answer, they will be answered. And we're asking you for miracles to take place in our lives and lives of our loved ones. Yes. We are asking, and now, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us hope and a great expectation for our future and for the future of our loved ones. Yes. Bless them, almighty God, and we commit them to your care. Yes. Watch over us until you bring us together again. Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. Yes. In Jesus' name, and all God's children which believe that says, amen, amen. and amen. amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you so very much for coming out and just, you know, recognize that God ain't done with you. And we got tools such as smartphones and computers and, and all the technology we have just to share some good news. And this is what I told the folks last night because I forget to do it so often. Is like the services that we live stream, those things are on, on the computer, on your phone, where, and all you have to do is hit share. And maybe there's other things you have to hit too. But uh, that's all I know. I'm supposed to share it with people. And you can hit share. And uh, we, we put out all kinds of things that just gives people hope. And you know what? People listen to that and go, well, you tell me about it. Do you really believe that stuff? But I'm going to encourage you to share the gospel. And that's a good way to do it. So let your light so shine to touch people while we have opportunity to do so. Now, the guys and gals over on this side, y'all can leave out that door. Guys and girls on this side, now we don't want to divide a couple so you guys can stay together as couples, okay? I understand that. But you guys over here, you can go out that door, and that way you can, you know, get out to some good old fresh air pretty soon here. But we love you so much. We pray for you all the time. And I'm sorry we can't even shake your hand right now because I know for most of us it's okay. But then I would be a bad example. And then someone would slap me on the little hand like that, you know. But one day we'll make up for it. We love you. God bless you. And we are all dismissed.